With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. I feel successful. You are successful, Sabrina. Thank you. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hi. And I'm Sabrina. And I had my first pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. And I almost put it on our Instagram story. And then I was like, oh, for a moment, I just got really insecure for a moment. And I was like, is this too basic? I never post anything. And is this really going to be the first thing I post? Give them what they want. The people want it. A PSL baby. And I didn't get it from Starbucks. I'm a Dunks girl now because I live in Massachusetts. Love Dunkin' Donuts. So good. I mean, I'm so envious. Meanwhile, California is on fire and it's so hot. And all I want is to be in the fall weather and to be embracing my PSLs and my sweaters it's nice man like i'm sorry i don't want to rub it in (laughs) i know you guys are going through some stuff over there but it's okay cooler crisper weather into it we're gonna get there soon corinne you and i just talked about this offline but gonna tell our listeners because giving them what they want as i've mentioned a while back nick and i had to push our wedding due to covid and due to the state of the world you know we obviously don't want to put people in uh, an uncomfortable situation and we want to make sure our friends and family are safe and um also our wedding planner mentioned social distance dancing and we were like no uh, no thank you we're not having a middle school dance for our wedding um <laughs> save room for the holy ghost yeah right <laughs> um so while we're pushing our wedding to next year and like doing the big celebration with our family next year we're doing like a very small ceremony in colorado with our family in the beginning of october and we're going to the freaking Stanley Hotel the day after. We're doing the ghost tour. We're staying the night. And I couldn't be more excited. This is like the best case scenario for your original plans to have been pushed. I for know. For this to be the result. I'm so excited. It's like you get bucket list items checked off of your list. Right? Well, it's crazy because the very first place that I chose to talk about on this podcast was the Stanley Hotel. And I've wanted to go for many, many years of my life. Even before we started this podcast, it was a place that I just was so fascinated by and really, truly felt this connection and wanted to go to. And I'm finally going. So what you're saying is, is not only are you and Nick getting married, but the podcast is also getting married. It's a thruple. Yes. Oh, my God, it is. You, this Nick, is and the thruple. podcast. It's all of us. <laughs> this is not a revelation. We've known this, but now it feels very um, I mean, official. I feel like I was inserting myself into it before, but now <laughs> I feel like you chose actively to, to have it be there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. So I will get my PSLs and my spooky fall vibes. Are You, you need to plan your outfits for the Stanley Hotel. Like, are you going to go, I don't know, like edwardian style dress and just like float in your white dress through the halls at 2 a.m or are you thinking like 
Colorado fall fashion, Pinterest mm. boards, very 2020. Like what sort of relevance, what sort of story are you trying to tell? You know, I'm of two minds because I really haven't put real clothing on or gotten dressed or I don't really know what fashion is nowadays anymore. So I feel like I could lean really heavily into that like vintage antique, you know, maybe even mm-hmm. wear the shining twins dress and like oh. people might give me weird looks, but it's like, hey, it's 2020. Anything goes or, you know, I am down to like embrace my Pinterest. Here's the thing. If you're there multiple nights, you can do both. That's true. Or I'll do outfit change, and, you know, like go on the tour in one outfit and then go to dinner in a different. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And sleep. Maybe my sleeping gown will be like a vintage wedding dress. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's spooky. That's really spooky. My mom has always wanted me to wear her wedding dress. And I think I found the perfect place to do it. I'm just picturing you like, I I mean, I don't even remember if this is actually on the property or if this was only for the movie, but you know how they have like the hedges and it's like the whole maze and they're running through it and Johnny's coming or whatever. I'm picturing you just running through that. Yeah. In your old wedding dress. I'm pretty sure they recreated it. Did they? I feel like it sounds really familiar and I feel like you told me that. Before. I think after the movie, they just, they like had some competition or something like that for people to design one and then they, they added it to the property. But I'm very into this idea. I'm just going to like live there forever. Nick's never going to be able to take me home. No. And I'm for that. I'm Johnny. I am going to become Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. This is very meta. Oh gosh. I'm all for you moving to Colorado though, honestly. The further east you go the more supportive i'll be yeah that's true you're just a little closer to me so any any inch you you make i'm a proponent of okay good to know i'm glad that my third third part of this relationship is is on board (laughs) i'm supporting you i do realize that your career keeps you in that life yeah but your heart can move (laughs) east let me just carve it out real quick and send pieces to people (laughs) across the world i open little like bleeding confetti hearts every (laughs) couple of weeks in the mail i'm like she's getting closer i can feel it (laughs) it's like how is she still alive oh my gosh speaking of mail oh how could i forget it's sitting right in front of me because i was like don't forget current don't forget (laughs) uh rochelle she sent a birthday card for you oh my god says wishing you the happiest day of birth hope your year is full of adventure and greatness And you want to know what's super special about this is before the episode came out where we talked about mail or it was your birthday episode, Mm -hmm. she had already put this in the mail because I went Mm -hmm. like the day after your birthday to go get the mail and this was here. So she just straight up remembered. That's so kind. And the other thing that's really impressive is she sent me one too and she didn't send the two of ours together. She spaced it out to be appropriate to our actual birthdays, which I was like, wow, I aspire to be this put together. I just don't. I'm so grateful. Like, what did we do to deserve kind ghouls like all of our phantoms? It's so nice. It really is. Makes me feel super loved. Me too. I told my therapist that it's the one good thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you know what makes me laugh? I was talking to my mom the other day and she mentioned that a guy that she had previously gone on a date with was moving across country and that the entire time he listened to our podcast and that like he was just texting her updates and was like oh my god this is so funny thank your daughter for this it's giving me so much like getting me through this drive so shout out to andrew but also bigger shout out to my mother for 
going on all these dates with men and maybe they don't move forward. But the one thing that does happen and is beneficial about these dates is that they learn about our podcast and start to listen. You got to shout it out. Yeah. I think that's the only reason my mom goes on dates is to like purposefully spread the word about our podcast. Honestly, Andrew at this point might know more about you than he knows about your mother from listening to the podcast. That's probably true. <sighs> Gotta love moms. My mom going on dates. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Is, is your mom, maybe this is too personal to talk about on the podcast, but is your mom dating because she enjoys dating or is she, is, what's her, what are her, her intentions? You know, <laughs> like if she were on The Bachelorette, or the bachelor oh like gosh. is she here for the right reasons or is she just trying to have fun like what's she, what's she doing i would love to see my mom on the bachelorette that would be so fun if your mom if your mom went on the bachelor i would also want to be on that season yes 100 percent. i'd hit but like make my mom be the bachelorette make oh, all the oh men shit. there for my mom Wait, that would actually be the most hilarious season ever your mom is amazing and she's so wild and her spirit is like she would be so funny god she's so freaking fun i would watch that i'd be so embarrassed but i'd watch the shit out of that it's (laughs) so good and your mom also just like has this lovely confidence about her and i feel like she's so self-assured and i think it comes with like age and maturity as well Mm -hmm. and oftentimes like the people that are on those shows are like 25 years old have only had toxic relationships, broke up with their significant other two days before the show and are just like a shit show. And like, hey, I want millions of Instagram followers. So here I am. Yeah. Like want to be sponsored by Fit Tea. My mom's like (laughs) posting a picture of on Instagram and it like zooms into her hat because she doesn't realize how it works. So she's not there for the wrong reasons. (laughs) That's the kind of energy I would want to see on television. (laughs) Me too. That's it. But to answer your question, I think she's she's looking for obviously she wants some companionship and sorry, mom, I'm getting real personal here for you. But I think she also enjoys it. She likes meeting people and having conversations and getting to Mm -hmm. know other people. Mm -hmm. That's so fun. Yeah, she's she's good at dating. I feel like there are a lot of people like myself included who go in waves of being like, yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm confident I'll go on a date. And then other times I'm like, I just need to crawl into a hole for three months and just not talk to anyone that I don't already know. It sounds exhausting. And I just really admire that she, yeah, continues to put herself, put herself out, there. out there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I respect the hell out of her for that. Amazing job. Amazing. Round of applause, Aurora. Uh, Aurora, <laughs> do you hear the cheers from around the world? Uh, i'm not sure if i'm gonna tell her to listen to this episode or like really steer her away from it (laughs) don't if she finds it she finds it it's a little gem (laughs) with linkedin jobs we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need marketing wizards found them software engineers found that project manager i could never seem to hire and found LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. Spooky freaks and friends alike. (laughs) Oh, that's a good greeting. Spooky freaks and friends alike. We're all welcome here and here today. We're going to talk about something scary. It's called Paranormal Games, which yes. we love. This is one of my favorite topics. Love to talk about. Never do it because we're Never do again. it. Never. 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 We won't, but we'll talk about it. We'll fantasize about it. We'll tell you not to do it, but then we'll secretly hope that someone sends us a story about yeah. it. Yeah, because I just like want to know 
Because it's one of those things that paranormal games, once you talk about it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, does it actually work or what's the outcome? And the only way to know is if someone tells you that they did it and tells you their experience. <sighs> right. And I feel like when we were young, we did like Bloody Mary and you do mm-hmm. you do the what's it like crack an egg on your head, like oh, shivers yeah, the, going up your spine, shivers yeah. going up your spine, like blood rushing down. Like you do the light as a feather, like all those little things mm-hmm. that are like, is this something? Is this not? And it's quick. But I feel like the older you get the more accessible the games are that have so many levels to them where you're like, how could this possibly be anything other than tapping into the paranormal realm? Because it's like hours long. There's multiple steps. There's so many things that could go wrong, which makes it so scary because you like are so dependent on following the rules, following the steps. Yeah. And similar to Ouija boards, closing out games, doing things appropriately so that it doesn't follow you into your, what you thought would be a fun YouTube video for all your subscribers. Suddenly you're haunted for life. Yeah. No, thanks. And also to your point of YouTube, like when we were kids, sure, computers were starting to become a more popularized item in a household, but they weren't mm-hmm. really for us and they weren't as accessible. So nowadays with the internet. And also it was dial up. So it was like 20 minutes right? to just even <laughs> log on to play like, what was it? What's the little like mind game where you'd like click on the X and then. Oh, oh my Minesweeper. God. Minesweeper. <laughs> oh, played that for hours. Right. But nowadays it's like the access we have and also the way that stories and games spread across the world. There's just mm-hmm. so much more information and gonna be honest i love it but also it's dangerous because now so many more people have access to these games Mm -hmm. and another thing i'll say too uh before we get into the games is if you have children maybe talk to them about these things because when we were researching at least for myself some of these games that are like seem so far past what is appropriate for a a child anyone under the age of like 18 to be playing were on these like spooky sleepover games for kids no, exactly like .com. and i'm like what no it's so crazy Ki- yeah games for kids that was the website that i looked at too it's yes. so gnarly i was like no 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 no. who runs this they need I mean, to not how, do this all i need to say is slender man and the story of how those girls stabbed yes. their friend with scissors is because they were browsing the internet and came across the story of the slender man and got so wrapped up in it and believed it to be so true that they convinced themselves to harm another child Yeah. And when you're young, your brain is so malleable and things that are traumatic, like actual trauma can rewire your brain. So yeah, just like don't make those things so easily accessible or targeted and marketed towards that audience. Yes. Let's avoid that. Let's avoid that. But also we're going to talk about scary things. And so as a please do not play these games. We are not encouraging you to play these games. We are advising you against playing these games. We're telling you what they are so that when someone's like, let's play a game and they start to explain the steps, you go, oh, you can't trick me. I know what this is. And then you say no. Yeah, you can say no, Corinne and Sabrina, my girlfriends told me not to do this and I trust them. So we're there with you in spirit and we will protect Mm -hmm. you and you're going to say no and we're not going to play these games. Yeah, there should be like a D.A.R.E. program, but for paranormal games. We can start it and we'll send out (laughs) little kits. Here's the salt. Here's the lavender. Here's some garden sage. Yeah. We're keeping everyone protected. (laughs) Uh, Who's first? Honestly, I can't remember. I truly don't remember. Well, do you want to go first? Sure. 
I can go first. And you know what? Maybe this is good because I have a feeling that yours is probably scarier than mine. (laughs) Uh, It is spooky. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will go first. And we are going to talk about the picture game. Ooh. A game where you try to capture a spirit on film. No. (laughs) I know, but also, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Oh, God, sometimes I forget where I am. (laughs) No. Okay, fine. Moving on. (laughs) What's the next subject? (laughs) No, this is so interesting, though. And this is, it's uncertain exactly where this game originated. But if we think about the timeline of existence of when cameras first came to be, sometime around like the 1830s, fixed cameras were accessible in 1888, mm-hmm. I think it was the first like Kodak camera for sale. And cameras built with the flashes were released some 75 years later. I think it was like the 1950s. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a history teacher and I didn't write <laughs> firm dates because it's not super important. But essentially, sometime within the past century, this game must have been created since the creation of cameras. But really, if you think about the idea of capturing spirits on film, it's always been something popular because back in the 1850s and 60s, so essentially like as soon as cameras were created, photographers started testing out exposures and figuring out how to do double exposures. And this birthed uh, spirit photography. And essentially spirit photography was a hoax. People would pay. We've talked about this before, but like people would pay to go get a photo taken of them, hoping that a loved one would appear. And the the photographer would have prepped the film before they would have already pre-exposed the film. And then when it came out and was developed, there'd be like this seemingly wispy version of a human that would appear like touching the person or behind the person that was the subject of the camera. Didn't you once cover the very first Ghost Conan film? Yes, I believe... I believe it was when I was talking about Harry Price, and that was episode uh, 68. And I only know because I wrote down episode 68 next to Harry Price's name because I wrote like a little paragraph here. But I, I'm pretty sure that's the one. I think I covered it there. That makes sense. So for the next half century after, you know, the spirit photography became first became a thing, it gained notoriety despite all of the critics, despite all of the investigations to debunk the photos. But as cameras grew... And technology became more widely accessible. The number of unexplained photos increased as well. And soon it baffled so many people. There were so many cases that presented themselves as being cases that couldn't really be debunked. And one Mm -hmm. of the earliest was the brown lady of Raynham Hall in Norfolk, England, which was investigated by Harry Price. And I'm assuming I mentioned it, but that was uh, episode 68, if anyone hasn't listened to that one. So the hunt for evidence, and also, wait, we also covered, it was like our third episode, we did Ghost on Tape, Ghost Caught on Film. So clearly we're interested in this, and this is like something that, you know, you Google image things and you're like, why did I do that to myself? But like, (laughs) it's it's one of the things that like- It's fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's why you take pictures of old creepy buildings and you zoom Mm -hmm. in and you look in the windows it's why you go on google images and you're like what creepy things can i find here because it's addicting even though you're terrified of it and you're like why did i do this to myself we've always been so fascinated with it as humans so it's the closest i get to living on the edge yes (laughs) it's the safest version maybe of living on the edge (laughs) until you capture something and then you're like fuck that's like me being like oh, you don't even know the shit I do. Like, I'm fucking crazy. I look up ghosts caught on camera (laughs) on Google. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. (laughs) Actually, during research here, 
I found the scariest ghost photo I've ever seen and I'm going to send it to you, but I, I don't want to talk too much about it right now because I kind of want to do an episode on it, but I'll send it to you. Okay. It's frightening. Don't send it to me until tomorrow morning. Oh, I was was literally about to send it to you right now. Okay. Okay. No, you can send it to me right now. Okay. Well, hold on. (gasps) Oh God. It's so (gasps) disturbing. I hate it. Oh my God. You scared me. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) It's truly the scariest thing I think I've ever seen in the world, but, um, we'll do an episode on it. But I don't want to just like blatantly expose people to it or say too much now because I really want to cover it. So maybe in the next like five episodes, we'll we'll figure out a way that I can talk about this so that we rather quickly. Okay. Did you send it to me? Yeah, I did in our chat. Oh, no. Ah. Slowly scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. <gasps> <laughs> oh, so my crazy. gosh. <laughs> Isn't it terrifying? Oh, God. Well, to, no, I don't want to leave everyone you. hanging, but. Uh, well you know what let's just tell people and i'll still cover it but i don't want people to get upset yeah but essentially through through the research i came across this it was i was reading an article on bbc on the history of like ghost photography and then there's this photo that was taken of the gray lady of hampton court and it was taken on an iphone and it is the creepiest fucking photo i've ever seen this girl took a picture of her friend her friend's wearing like a green army jacket facing away from the camera, just like looking at the paintings on the wall. And behind her is this like seven foot tall woman with like four foot long hair. Her hair is like past her butt. It's really stringy. She's in this like old black dress and she's just facing her. It's it's truly like if you read the book, Terrifying. The Broken Girls, this is how I picture the spirit in The Broken Girls. Oh, yeah. Yep. Isn't it? I can see that. But it's really, mm-hmm. it's like too clear of a picture. It really is startling. Yeah. I just closed out because I can't. Yeah. I looked at it yeah, for way too long and I'm going to get haunted. Sleeping with the lights on. Just like I As do every do. night that we record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once a week I sleep with all the lights on. We're so brave. Yeah. Just everyone's like, give us advice. And we're like, we don't have any. <laughs> don't turn off the lights. <laughs> don't Google it. That's our advice. <laughs> But anyway, clearly this is addicting. It's like you hear about something and you can't not see it because this is super, super interesting. Hence why the picture game is so enticing to play. So unlike episode 46, which was the previous episode Sabrina and I had recorded where we did games to make contact. So we did the midnight game and then we did the the hide and seek game as well. So unlike Mm -hmm. episode 46... We, we didn't give you quite all of the steps in episode 46, or at least I didn't. <laughs> but in this one, I'm going to tell you exactly how to play. My recommendation is not to play at all, but if you choose to play, know that you're playing at your own risk. It's recommended for this game, actually, that there are two or more people present in the game, which is really nice because most paranormal games yeah. basically require you to isolate yourself. You're in the dark, you're doing yep. everything alone in the middle of the night, and that's horrifying. But for this one, you're allowed company, which is awesome. So you'll need a few items. Here's your list of required materials. You need a rope or a string, essentially anything, any material that's long enough that you can make a circle and you can knot the material at the end. And also, I guess, soft enough that you can cut it because at the very end, you're going to have to to cut the circle that you've created. So you're going to need that rope or string, some sort of material. You're also going to need either scissors, a knife, something with a sharp edge to eventually cut that rope. You're going to need one small mirror per participant. So each person gets a mirror. 
you're going to need a camera with flash capabilities, but it's recommended to use basically like an actual camera, like go dig out your old Canon power shot from 2010 or like go get a Polaroid or whatever. It's recommended that you do not use a phone camera. So a camera camera. You also need a drinking glass. You need a beverage of sorts to put into that drinking glass. And it's recommended that you use wine. And if you're like, oh my gosh, of course they're recommending wine because then you get drunk and then it's more fun. You're not drinking it. So (laughs) you're sober here. I just want to know how someone, because clearly this happened accidentally once maybe. And then, yeah. So just how someone happened to have. Who puts this stuff together? Yeah, exactly. Who figures it out? It's like, it's like when we were talking about uh, spirit animals and I talked about, well, I cheated and made mine a plant and I was talking (laughs) about ayahuasca and it was like, there's 8,000 vine species and there's a particular part of this vine that results in ayahuasca. And how did that one person do everything right for this one particular vine species to even get to the point that we've discovered ayahuasca and all of its properties? Like that blows my mind. And also like how someone decided to taste the goo in some in a beaver's butt and be like, oh, this tastes like vanilla. Let's use yes. it for artificial flavor. Or like the first person to drink cow milk. Like that's disturbing. It's so why we're all so weird. Who are and these No people? wonder aliens like don't want us to know they exist. They don't want to hang out with us and it makes yeah. sense. It's like now those things are normalized and so we don't think of ourselves as freaks. But think about it. Like if you think back to the first person to ever do those things, that's what other alien species see they're like coming down and they're like why are they doing this this is really disgusting and disturbing and i'm perturbed and i'm turning my spaceship around but also we're gonna take regular field trips here you can pay (laughs) one thousand i don't even know what their currency is because they haven't told me yet (laughs) but that would be fun honestly it's like taking a submarine down to like see the bottom of the earth i bet aliens come and they're like just look at them pathetic (laughs) absolutely the zoo creatures (laughs) that's that's a great way maybe to this at is it. like their version of fantasy football it's like what are they gonna do next <laughs> who are your players who'd you pick <laughs> what'd you bet on wow i now i more than ever want to go with them i know i know one day okay so back to what you need you need a rope you need scissors you need one small mirror per per participant you need a camera a drinking glass a beverage you need to be in a quiet room So the game will start at midnight, and once the clock strikes 12, you take the rope or whatever material that you decided to grab, and you make a circle. You tie it at the ends so that it's a connected circle. It's not just like the ends are touching. It has to be like fully connected. So if you picked it up, it was still a circle. Mm -hmm. And you place that circle in the middle of the room in a circular shape. Then you grab the drinking glass. You place the glass in the middle of that circle in the middle of the room. Then you fill the glass with whatever beverage you've picked. And it's recommended that even though there are multiple participants, you kind of like delegate one person to kind of be the point person to do all these things because you have to turn off lights, you have to do all this stuff. So one person's really being that person, like there's less confusion and there's probably more concentration and the better results you're going to get. So once you do that, next, whoever else is playing with you, you all sit in a circle but you sit in a circle on the outside of the rope circle. So you do not go into the circle. You cannot penetrate the inside. You must not step into the rope circle at any time. Do not break this rule. Sit outside of the rope circle and then place your mirror in front of you. And the reflective part of the mirror should be pointed up at the ceiling. So if you were to lean over, you'd be able to see your face in the mirror. Then someone gets up. They turn off all of the lights, return to the circle, 
And then you enter into the stage called the invitation. No, I don't like the name. I know. The names, the categories are creepy. So all participants now in darkness must close their eyes and hold hands with one another. Each person must say one after the other, I trust you. And you cannot say it collectively. You have to take your turn. So I would say, I trust you. Sabrina would say, I trust you. Nick would say, I trust you. Leia would say, I trust you. Leia would say, meow. Ghost would be like, surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that, after every single person has said, I trust you individually, together in unison now, everybody says, and we'll repeat this three times in unison, the door is open. Please come in. The door is open. No, don't do it. Please come in. I'm not going to say it the third time. I only did it twice. Okay, thank you. I literally did not write it a third time because I was like, do not fucking say it a third the time. The repetition thing is just it's ominous. Creepy. It's ominous. You're you're absolutely correct. There's something that's like, even though people repeat themselves so frequently in regular, ordinary life, there's something about it that just feels unnatural. Yeah. Okay. So after my ice machine's going. I don't have an ice machine. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> You said it so confidently. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. This is why people are like, I don't believe in ghosts because you just explain everything away. Oh, it's my ice machine. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So after everybody says, I trust you individually. And then after everybody in unison says three times, the door is open, please come in. Everybody is allowed to open their eyes. Then one person will take the camera and this person must say, I caught you. And then point the camera forward towards the middle of the circle and take one picture. Then that person will pass the camera to the next person. And one important note is if you're using a digital camera, do not preview the photos. Or even if you're using a Polaroid, like just do not look at any of the photos until the very, very end once the game is completed and closed. Okay. So then after you say, I caught you and take your one picture, you pass it to the next person in the circle. Mm-hmm. Another important note is that if someone starts to cry or is feeling nauseous or acts out of the ordinary, do not let them take any photos. They yeah. must be skipped. And really, you should end the game there. But if that doesn't happen, or if you ignore the rules, the next person grabs the camera and they do the exact same thing. So every single person, the camera's just going to get passed around the circle. Each person is going to say, I caught you. Point the camera to the center of the circle. Take a photo. Pass it to the next person. I caught you. Point the camera in the center of the circle. Take a picture. Pass it to the next person. And so it's passed around three times. So each participant will end up having taken three photos in total. So once this is complete, you can put the camera down. And then everyone is supposed to close their eyes once more and repeat in unison, it is time to go home. It is time to go home. It is time to go home. And then everyone turns their mirror that's in front of them upside down so that the reflection is now to the floor it is not visible then the lights are turned on the sharp object is used to cut open the circle the drinking glass should be emptied outside in earth so whether that's the dirt or whatever but don't just like put it in your driveway or into a plastic bucket does your mouth count as the earth it's a really good question we are just stardust i'm not sure that might be a loophole don't don't risk it yeah not worth it and then after that it's officially over and you're allowed to look at your photos. So that seems like the worst part. Waiting and like looking at the photos after. 
Yeah, because you have to start the game at midnight. So by the time you're done and doing this part of it, looking at the camera and looking at the photos, yeah. it's got to be like one or two in the morning, maybe yeah. even three, depending on how many people you have. I know. And the thought it's of that so makes creepy. me want to vomit. And the other thing, too, is like there's so much opportunity for this game to go poorly because as simple as it, as it seems, some of the rules of the game are like there's a whole list of red flags. It's like if anyone starts crying, if anyone acts uncharacteristically – if anyone states that they're scared or is scared, you're supposed to end the game and you're not supposed to like make it even to the point of them ever being able to take a photo. So um. if you ignore this, this is really bad. So basically, like who in their right mind plays this game and isn't scared? So I don't right. I don't quite understand how people end up being able to do this. But it's said that if someone is acting really strange or qualifies as like one of the red flag players, that if they did take a picture, you are not to look at the picture. You are to end the game. You are to destroy the camera. So you're probably uh, curious now what other people who have played the game have experienced. Yes, yes I am, Corinne. Thank you. Yes. Well, I'm going to take you through one Reddit user. His name is Kevin Crane. He took it upon himself to not only try this game, but a bunch of paranormal games. And he has a whole thread on Twitter where he's like part one, part two, part three, whatever. And each part is a different game. And so this was part five that he did. Damn the picture Kevin. game. Damn Kevin. Just stop. I think he did. There weren't too many parts, but there's too many for me. I just got scared. I feel like I'm seeing stuff now. Has he stopped or did he disappear? Uh, that's a good question. I need to stalk his Reddit now and see if he's still good. <laughs> but Kevin, let us know. Kevin, Kevin Crane, this is a call for you to respond to us. But Kevin, he took it upon himself with his friends to test out this game. So during the picture game, Kevin and his friends, they decide, let's play on Friday the 13th. What a great day ah, to play. No. Yep. There were four of them in total. All of them were gathered together at, at his friend Jeff's house. So it was Kevin, Jeff, and two of their friends. And they waited not until midnight, but until 2 a.m. to play, hoping to raise the oh, stakes gosh. a little bit. And so they gather all of their items. They begin the game. They prepare the wine, the string, all of the items. And before starting... They reread the rules. If someone is scared, you must end the game. Well, Kevin is scared and he remains scared. And he didn't vocalize his fear, but he said that it's now something that he regrets. But his friends, they all start, they go through the steps, they hold hands, they say the chants, they start taking pictures. And the first round of taking pictures was totally fine. And so they continued and they passed the camera around the four of them to take the second round of pictures. And that's when their friend Tom had this really strange reaction during the second round. His face Ooh. suddenly was covered in tears and was really like red. His oh, eyes no. seemed to be red. And the rules <gasps> clearly stated that if anyone was acting strange, if anyone was scared, if anything was up or not normal, you must end the game and do not let them take a picture. Jeff, the host, who had everybody at his house, he was like, very adamant let's quit the game these are the rules we need to jump to the farewell stage all of them are scared at this point but kevin kevin he's like oh, no kevin. i mean despite what the rules say i think it actually would probably be more dangerous for us to stop the game in the middle of it we need to play through finish all of the steps and then close out who possessed you kevin tell us who honestly it could have been a possession because that's what happens in this game if you don't play by the rules no. So then from the room over, this is the second round of photos and they're noticing Tom being really strange. And then from the room over, outside of the room that they're in is the living room. And from that room, they hear a really strange noise and it sounds like an angry yet agonized 
moaning. And then there's a large boom that follows it. And Kevin is screaming now. And Jeff stands up. He breaks the circle. He runs and closes the door that to the room that they're in. He blocks the entrance from the living room into their room to try to be safer. But still, even after that, they don't jump to the farewell. They continue the game. Oh, my gosh. Rules are there for a reason. I know. Follow the dang rules, people. So then they go and they pass the camera around a third and final round, each taking a picture. And with each person, the sound from the living room grows closer and closer. And Tom, the one who had tears and red eyes, he begins to cover his ears and just rocks back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, the round is complete. The game is complete. They go through the farewell. They end the ritual, or so they thought. No, don't tell me that. Well, we'll see what happens to them after. Kevin seemed pretty scared, and I'm not so sure about their friend Tom being okay. But they review the pictures, and the first round, the one where they felt fine, the pictures showed shadow figures all around them. And in one of the pictures, the shadow figure was actually standing behind Kevin. Oh. And then in the second round of photos, the one where they should have stopped playing the one where tom was crying and and things were just Mm -hmm. being weird there was a picture and there were red eyes just a pair of red eyes a pair of red eyes and they keep going through the pictures and jeff is really the one that's flipping through all of these photos he's decidedly the bravest of the group so as he sees stuff he's sharing it with others but then he gets to this one picture and jeff starts to violently scream and cover his mouth and the whole group is absolutely terrified and jeff just keeps saying And there's going to be a lot of expletives in here. So a lot of F words. I'm sorry. But he says, oh, my fucking God. Oh, my fucking God. What the fuck? What? What in the living fuck is that? What the fuck is that, bro? And he's so, so scared. Had just screamed. And everyone's now terrified because no one else. Everyone's just seeing his reaction. What is it? Jeff is now in a panic attack. Tom, the one who'd been in tears, he's (laughs) laying on the ground. Their other friend decided, I'm out. It's time to go home. He opens the window, jumps out of the first floor window to leave because he was like, I am not going through the front door. I'm not passing by the living room where that noise was coming from. And so now it's just the three of them. And Kevin's the only one that's like, okay, well, I'm at least a little bit curious and I'm the only one that doesn't seem debilitated here or has left. So he needs to know what provoked this reaction out of Jeff and what is wrong with Tom. And so he decides to look at the picture, which is a decision that he regrets deeply. In the picture was Tom, the friend who had been crying. Uh And his eyes were hollow. They were pure black. And there was a shadow with red eyes. And the face was grimacing. It was this creepy half smile. And it wasn't near him. It wasn't. Beside him, it wasn't behind him. It was in him. It was coming out of Tom's neck. Oh, my God. As if it had possessed him and was peeking out for the photo. So Kevin decides to burn the picture. Jeff decides to break the camera and light it on fire, too. And that is the end of the experience that Kevin chronicled. And so if you decide to play the picture game, do not, do not break the rules. I nope. nope. Could um, you go in thinking this is great? You're gonna capture your little friendly ghosts, but no, you are opening it up. First round, they felt fine and they captured shadow people. You are opening yourself up to danger into darkness. Part of me wonders if, like, and I say this because in my in the game that I picked, there's something similar to like the shadow people appearing, 
And there was a theory that the shadows are actually like the souls who played the game incorrectly <gasps> and got lost there. Oh. Ooh, you know what's really freaky is all my lights just flickered as you said that. No. Did you see that on your end or was it too quick? I don't know. I think I was looking up. Oh, God. Uh, I'm scared. <laughs> I actually feel like ill, sick to my stomach from this story. Yeah, me too. There's just something off it. Like certain things, sometimes as you say them or as you listen to them, it feels like you shouldn't even be listening to them, you know? But you were telling it in such a good way, too, that I felt like so engrossed in it that I, I, I was truly terrified. There's some pictures that our listeners have sent before, too, where I just feel like I shouldn't look at the picture ever or for too long because I feel like that's an invitation for the spirit to find me. Yeah. Because they're like looking at you through the photo. Can they travel through photos? Is that how they get around? Oh my God. Uh, no, no, also... no, 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 no. Let's not open that up. We don't need that gray lady. Oh my God. I'm literally never going to sleep. Fuck this. <laughs> I'm sleeping on my couch today with all, tonight with all of my, I'm turning on the TV. This is it. I'm not sleeping in my bed. Uh, cover all your mirrors. Oh, now I'm not going to be able to brush my teeth. You're going to bed with me tonight. It's going to be <laughs> okay, like old times fine. where we have to FaceTime and you have to watch my whole night routine. <laughs> I'm more than happy to do that for you. <gasps> but I do. It's so OK. I wonder if those shadow people were less shadow people in the sense that we've talked about them and more shadows of spirits of people who have played the game incorrectly and are now stuck mm. kind of and and almost as if they're an omen and they're appearing behind each person as like a, hey, look, you've got an image of a ghost. Please stop playing. Mm -hmm. And then there's this dark lurking energy entity or whatever that thing is that then the more you play the lo the more photos and rounds that you go through and the less you follow the rules it comes out and it grabs onto the person who is maybe the one that's deemed <sighs> weakest or most vulnerable so in mm -hmm. that case the tom who was crying i don't know uh, i have so many questions and thoughts too just in general about photos and ghosts caught on photos because we've heard stories where you catch you take a photo and you know you caught something, but then the next day it's erased or your memory is yes. erased or something. And it's just, they don't want it. No, I know. And it's like, what is controlling it? It almost, it almost is like, is it that the spirit didn't want to be captured? And so it has some sort of manipulation where it can hack you essentially and, and get mm -hmm. rid of it. Or is it something evil that's trying to make you feel like you're going crazy? And so it's, Ooh. it's editing your actual memories and or like editing what you have access to or is this one of those things where it's like a men in black thing where like maybe you captured something that you really 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 shouldn't have and so someone's coming through yeah. and they're sweeping through and just erasing things like what is the explanation i think in a situation like this i'd be okay with men in black being like hey yeah it's probably better that you don't remember this true also this is so this is like such a leap for me in terms of um it maybe being paranormal but i feel like I skipped into another dimension for a second before we started recording because what do you mean? I told myself like at, right before you called me, I was like, I need to erase my SD card because I need to clear up space. And I hadn't erased my SD card for like 70 episodes. So I was about to be done. Uh -huh. So I went in to clear it and it said like recording zero. And I was like, what? No, I have so many recordings on this SD card. And there was absolutely nothing and it had already been wiped. And that's never happened before. It's never just automatically done anything. And I took the SD Weird. card out, put it back in because I was like, maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I did my own chore in my sleep. Yeah. Or maybe Ghost did it for you. Maybe Ghost know. did because, yeah, I don't know. Weird. What I do know is I don't want to play this game. All right. Well, I know you picked something scary. I did. And now I'm nervous. Me too. But maybe I should not be nervous going into it because that's not a good way to start that. Right. 
So I feel good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We're fine. Everything's fine. It's like that little meme of the of the cartoon dog that's sitting at the table with a mug of coffee and there's fire in the room and it's Everywhere. like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. That's the state of California right now, right? Yep. Yeah. Not fine. Not fine. Okay. So I chose to talk about the 11 mile game. 11 mile game. And it is not one to be taken lightly, although neither are any of the other paranormal games we ever talk about. But, you know, as we said, we still continue to tell the tales and stories and how-tos and steps of these daunting, terrifying games because that's (laughs) what we do. So bring your flashlights because this is a journey you must embark upon on your own. This is the 11-mile game. It is a game where if you finish it and do it correctly and successfully, you can get something you deeply wish for. But the stakes are high, and if done incorrectly... Well, let's just say you don't want to find out what happens if you do it incorrectly. So what is the game and how do you play? As I mentioned, it's a one person game and all you need is a car uh, or a motorcycle if you want. But uh, of the stories I've heard from motorcycles, don't do it. And also make sure you have a license and are licensed to operate those vehicles. And maybe also insurance because uh, your car might get badly injured during this journey. All right. Well, I I mean, hey, I'm as I've said, I would never do this. Don't wait, do this it. This is a for a fortune telling game. No, it's a basically if you uh, finish the journey, the 11 mile journey, you reach the end of the road and you can wish for something. OK, it can be material. It could be immaterial. And we'll you will get it better to just lose an eyelash, blow it off your finger, give a little wish. I, you know, I agree. That is so much easier. But nevertheless, some people do this one. So. In order to find the 11-mile road, you must begin your solo drive late at night at a time when few other drivers are on the road. And keep in mind, you can be anywhere in the world. The 11-mile road will basically appear to you as long as you follow the rules and and ways to Mm -hmm. get to it and find it. It's said that you find it, but I have a feeling it finds you, and I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So what you do is you start your drive late at night when very few other people are on the road. And you must find a back road that's tucked deep inside some dense woods um, or forest. So luckily for myself living in California, living in Los Angeles, which is very um, populated, I feel like this doesn't totally exist for me. And I'm very fortunate because then I won't accidentally find it. But (laughs) find a wooded area with a road that starts going down it. And it can't be near or outside or around it. It has to be inside this wooded area. Once inside the woods, you begin driving down the desolate roads until your gut starts telling you that something's wrong. And when you start feeling like you must turn back, keep going because that means that you're close. That's against your instinct. Exactly. This whole game is going against your instincts and it is wild. So when your gut is screaming at you, turn around, silly willy, go home to the comfort of your bed and friendship or maybe pets or whatever is at home a bed uh go home you got to keep going you keep going you keep going and apparently it says that you know you have found it once you found it so there is no defining markers it is more of a feeling that you have or maybe you just have to do it and experience yourself and Mm. you know when you find it or when it's found you and once you found it this is very important once you have found the road, you may stop for a moment, gather yourself, breathe, make the active decision 
to turn around. And that is the only time during this journey that you are allowed to stop. If if you decide to continue on with this journey, keep in mind, you the only way to stop is if you make it through all the way to the end or if you give up and give your soul to whatever darkness is lurking in this 11 miles. And it sounds so, like it's not necessarily like a familiar road to you. So you can't just be like, well, I'm zipping off to in and out now. Like you, Correct. You're, you have no choice. You your have free no will is lost. Well, also, some of the personal stories that I read um, mentioned that there's this draw coming and this pulling feeling that's coming off of the road. So even though as you were leading up to finding it, your instincts were telling you to run and flee and how Mm -hmm. terrified you were feeling. Now, once you've approached it and once you found it, there's this undeniable pull towards it. So keep this in mind. Well, also don't because don't play it, you know. But um, once you begin your journey down the 11 mile road, you must never under any circumstances stop your car. Okay, comprende. There are a few more rules that you must follow. So don't stop your car. And secondly, never turn it around or decide you've given up on the game once you've embarked upon your journey. You are not allowed to turn around. The only way out is through. Another rule. Do not listen to music or turn on the radio at all. Another rule. Do not open your windows or doors. You might feel tightness in your chest or find it difficult to breathe but that is just the horror and fear inducing some kind of panic within you because everything is telling you, no, boo, turn around. But your mind's Ugh. telling you, got to go, got to keep going. So um, regardless, no matter what, do not open the doors. Do not open the windows. Don't try to get air. Just keep going. That is the okay. best rule to remember. Just keep going. Another rule is if you smell anything, don't stop the car. Don't be tempted to get out and investigate. Don't breathe, be the brave hero. You're already doing this crazy, crazy thing of driving down the 11 mile road. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't need to make matters worse by saying hello to the demon creature that's posing as a young child in the middle of the woods and asking for help. Okay, just stay in your car. Keep driving. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Do not use any phone or any other technology like an iPod, iPad, GPS or anything. Turn it all off. Don't use it. Disconnect and you know, really embrace the dark side. Oh my God, that's fear. horrifying because that's that's distancing yourself even more and giving know. giving way too many extra seconds and like potential minutes to not being in communication pe- with people that you need to. Like if your phone is off and there's an emergency, like you can't just easily call someone here, rebooting mm-hmm. your phone, it's slowly turning on. That's terrifying. Yeah, yep. It is, but that is a rule. And then the last rule is to not drive faster than 30 miles per hour. And I'm not technically sure of what happens if you drive faster than that, but I think part of it's like you can't get away with trying to like zoom through this 11 mile road. You actually have to like experience it and go through with it and overcome each challenge that comes with each mile. Um, And also most of the times this is like not a straightforward road. It's kind of dangerous. So stay at 30 miles per hour, I think also for safety reasons. Cops are not patrolling this road, but the demons are. So just make sure to follow follow the rules. Do, you know, just do what. Don't be a speed demon. Just and don't be a speed demon. No, That's witty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so those are the rules. And so now that you know them, I'm sure you'll never want to play. Or maybe you're braver than I am, and you're like, hell yeah, this sounds fun. I want all my dreams and wishes to be come true, and I'm gonna do it a hundred times. Nope. And to that, I say, WTF, you crazy 
but you do. You but know. email us at two girls one girl yeah. podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm now gonna tell you what you can expect at each mile. And though these are like the like kind of the stereotypes and like the generalization of what most people have experienced, but then I'll share a few like tidbits and stories from people who personally went through it. Um, okay. Like I said, 11 mile game, therefore 11 mile road. Sorry, my, my like zoom or not my zoom. Is that what it's called? It's like flashing. What? Where it's recording, the numbers are flashing. It's still like ticking up, but occasionally the numbers will just like flash. Oh God. I hope that's not like a ghost whispering onto the recorder. I don't know. Everything's plugged in and fine. I hope everything's recording. It's recording. Like it says the numbers are going up and it's just randomly flashing. I don't like that. Stop that. This is a haunted episode. I know. Okay. I'm just going to keep going. We haven't had this much intervention in quite a long time. We were we were about to. Where's our ghost to protect us? Hello? Help us. Help us. Save us. Okay. So 11 mile road. Each mile brings something new and stranger and darker. And the deeper you go, the more difficult and more trying and fierce, fearful and horrific the experience becomes. But again, you can't turn around. You just have to keep going. So it starts out, and I like to compare it to a long distance run, like a marathon, for example. Mile one is pretty good. You feel good. You trained for this. You prepared yourself. Yeah, you're a little nervous, but, you know, it's the first mile, so it's pretty easy. You might get a little cold on the first mile, but, you know, for the most part, there's nothing weird paranormal that's happening. You're just driving through the woods, so, of course, that's ominous and a little scary. But uh, overall, you're you feel okay, I got this. You got some confidence behind you. You got one mile done. You got 10 more to go. That's good, right? Great. Right. Wrong. Because oh. things are just going to go downhill from here. Yikes. And not in the not in the fun, I'm running downhill for 11 miles, but more like scary, horrific, demon things are coming at you. So mile two is kind of similar to the first, but you get really, really cold to the point where even when you turn your heater on in your car, it doesn't keep you warm. And your gut instincts are trying to challenge you and say, hey, buddy, why do we sign up for this? Let's uh, turn around. But you can't. So mile two is not terrible and you keep going. But that's because you kind of have to because you don't want to find out what happens when you turn around. So you keep going and you begin the third mile. And while the woods first seemed very still and sleepy, you start to notice that things are moving outside of your car. What? Was that a blur in your peripheral? Was a sway in the trees? Oh. Or was that a... Is that a person? A thing? Oh, God. Oh, God. A creature? If you see something, you must continue. Again, do not stop. This is the worst because we're past summer. The night is happening earlier and earlier and earlier. And people are going to be leaving work now. And it's going to be night. And everyone's going to be paranoid on the roads. I know. I know. Well, what if you accidentally come upon this road and you don't know? (sighs) So you keep driving. Again, if you see anything... Keep your eyes on the road and do not look. Keep driving. And mile four is where things really start to escalate. Along with the creeping and shuddering amongst the trees, you'll begin to hear voices, sounds, echoes from the woods. They're not the normal birds and owls and critters and creatures roaming the woods. These are voices, human voices, calling your name, asking for help, screaming. Again, do not stop. Keep driving. Keep moving forward. Keep your eyes looking forward. Do not stop. Do not look. Do not acknowledge the things that are happening. Keep driving. Why is meowing? Like, come here, will you comfort me? (laughs) 
Why? You have really healthy communication with with Leia. No reading between the lines. Can you please comfort me? Can you come here, sweetie? She's not going to come, though. She's like, will you give me food? <laughs> okay. In mile five, the trees start to disappear, giving way to this beautiful, tranquil-looking lake and the glowing moon hitting the water. It's really mesmerizing. Very beautiful. It's like something you've never seen before. But don't stop. Okay. Don't look at it. <laughs> Just keep driving, honey. Suddenly you're Fran dresser. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. You can take me along with you on this road trip if you need me to. Well, Actually, no, you can't. You can't have technology. <laughs> you can't have tech. Never mind. Don't do that because it's wrong. It's against the rules. And also it's dangerous to ask. She'll project while you're in the driver's seat. So <laughs> can't visit her that way. That's a lot of work for me. That's a lot of work. It is. That's a lot. It's a big emotional burden for you to have yeah. that weight for everyone. Yeah. And then I don't even get the wish at the end. So hmm. what's in it for me? Okay. So yeah, this lake that appears at mile five is mesmerizing and it might tempt you to want to go dip your toes in it. But remember where you are. Remember that it is not a good place. It is dark. There are shadows. There are creepy demonic voices. Keep driving. Okay. So you got to keep driving. And as you continue through the fifth mile, it becomes the sixth. And then that beautiful lake will start to disappear and become blocked by thick trees. And you're back in the woods. And let me tell you, if you didn't think things escalated already, they're about to escalate even more. And you got to be prepared to be scared because, okay, so mile six, you're in mile six, you're back in the woods and your headlights might go out and your radio might turn on. And it's not going to be Katy Perry or Pink or whatever pop music you're into or whatever, I don't know, whatever your thing is. It's going to be demonic creatures and voices being like, hey, Corinne. No! Get out. Come hang out with me. I want your soul. No, thank you. Stuff like that. And you can't turn your radio off. You just have to listen to it and you can't acknowledge it. You have to keep driving. Keep going. Don't stop your car. Don't get out unless you want to die. Okay? I don't. Thank you. I'm trying to instill fear here. I won't go. I'd never go. (laughs) I have social anxiety. Thank you for the invite, but no, thank you. I can't make it. (laughs) You keep going. It's turning into mile seven and the voices are not just coming from the radio. They're coming from outside. They sound like they're in your back seat. Don't look in the rear view mirror because uh, you do not want to see what's hiding in what creature is hitching a ride with you to your final destination. Their final destination is to steal your soul. So don't give them that satisfaction. Okay. And then you get to the eighth mile and your headlights might have completely gone out, making it hard for you to see. But it's only the dark force working to make you stop your car. It's a tactic. It's trying to say, like, look, you can't even see. You must stop your car and get out and look at your headlights. But don't do it. You got to keep going. Slow down if you need to. Don't stop. Just keep going. Keep your eyes on the road and drive on to mile nine. Mile nine is now where those dark forces that wanted you to stop are getting more powerful, maybe even more hungry for your soul that they're going the extra mile here, your car might stall to a stop. And if it does that, just keep trying to turn it on and restart your car and drive it because you didn't stop your car on your own. These dark forces made you stop your car. Oh my God. So that's not breaking the rules, but you just got to keep going. And you might be- That's when you need like a car window shade. I'd be like, do not look outside. Do not look outside. Some people even said that in the ninth mile when their car stalled, it would start moving, but their car was like off. And so there were some dark entities and forces pushing the car. It's like going through a car wash. But demon car wash. But (laughs) scarier. 
<laughs> but way scarier. But instead of the undercarriage getting washed, you're being taken <laughs> to the underworld. <sighs> ah. Also, if your car does stall, what you must do, this is important, mile nine, if your car does stall, you must close your eyes. Close your eyes because apparently what you would see standing around your car is horrific and not good. So close your eyes and just while your eyes are closed, continue starting your car and like hear, listen to it, start and then continue driving the second you can. Once your car starts again, you can open your eyes, but do not open your eyes. Keep them closed when your car is stopped and stalled by this dark entity. Leia, what are you doing? Communing with the demon. She might be. I'm going to go check on her real quick. Okay. Were you eating my plants? No. She's got a leaf hanging from her lips. <laughs> <laughs> She's yeah. not so sneaky. It's pretty obvious. You're like, I could tell. <laughs> well, yeah. No, that's. I solved. She the has case. the evidence hanging from her mouth. <laughs> okay. So that's mile nine. And you have two miles left to get to the end. So now it's mile 10. And it's kind of unclear what happens in mile 10, but I think it's just an escalation and and all of these things kind of happening at once. And I'm going to bet that whoever's doing this game during mile 10 is like, oh my God, I am so silly. Why did I do this? I don't like this and wish I had never gone here. But um, the only rule for mile 10 is that you are not allowed to look in any mirrors in your car during mile 10. So not your rear view mirror, not your side mirrors. Uh, not even your like the makeup mirror on your visor. Just don't look in the mirrors and keep driving. And then you'll be one mile out from the end. And you're so close to the 11th mile. Just continue to follow the rules. You're so close. You just got to get through this because, oh, you know, you're already here. So when you're driving on mile 11, your vehicle might stall once more. But this time it's going to stall in front of a red light. And keep in mind this is not the end of the road. The red light is a tactic to make you think that you've reached the end. It is not the end. It is a, it's a, it's a tactic. It's a, it's not the end. So don't get it's out of your car. It's a red herring. It's a red herring. Exactly. If you stall, if your car does stop because of the forces and you're at the red light, you're supposed to close your eyes and cover your ears because apparently there's this like, cacophony of screaming and demonic voices Ooh. and things that kind of happen at the same time at this red light Disgusting. and you just have to ignore it there's also this is the most terrifying thing apparently along with these screaming noises and sounds and people calling your names and these shadows all around your car you'll start to feel hands and things grabbing onto your body and all you can do is just try to ignore it and wait for it to stop and wait for your car to continue and then just keep driving but you just have to live with it. You can't do anything. You can't run out of your car because getting out of your car, you're just giving them what they want. This reminds me of like, I mean, I know absolutely nothing about uh, like torture techniques, but it almost reminds me of like if you were had to be go through training of like, here's what torture would be like and you just have to have no reaction and you just have to get through it. This is what I imagine it to be. Yes. I mean, they have that sound torture, which is yeah, and the bright light torture. So it's not far off. So- once your car starts, again, you keep driving. You can uncover your ears and continue to open your eyes, and you just keep driving. You've come so far. You're alive. I hope you never do this again, but you're, you've, gotten, you've gotten this far, and then you'll come upon a dead end, and this is the end of the 11-mile road. And once you reach the dead end, you can close your eyes and make your wish, and you must envision your wish. So close your eyes and think about it 
envision it, envision you having it and using it. This actually reminds me a lot of the Sorcerer's Stone in um, Harry Potter because it is said that if your item is small enough when you're envisioning it, if it is small enough and you're envisioning it, <laughs> it may appear in your pocket while you're in your car. Oh. But if it's bigger than an item that fits in your pocket, it might be in the back of your car or in your trunk. But if it is an immaterial thing, like a, a blanket wish or hope or state of being, you must drive home and wait for it and it will come to you within days. But honestly, what the F is actually worth all of the horrors that you have to experience during that drive? Nothing. I, nothing. Except if we continue on this incorrect theory of like, what if this is how, what if this is training for like torture techniques? What if when you get to the end, it's like, welcome, you've passed through, you now get to join Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> We're going to give you your own spaceship. So question for you, Corinne, are you willing to test this out and find out? 1000% not. Never. Good. Not going to do it. I'm, I was hoping for that answer. No, thanks. Maybe in another life. It's like one thing for me to talk through the horrors, but then to experience it yourself and to be alone. You are actually alone this entire time. And it's 11 miles and you're going pretty slow. And regardless of how long it takes you and regardless of what this thing that you're wishing for and maybe getting at the end, you will literally never forget the horrors that you experienced in that in those 11 Here's miles. Here's the thing. We've all had an appropriate amount of trauma in our lives, right? I don't think we need any more. I think it's right. sufficient. We've reached that cap. Some of us mm -hmm. have gone further. And I think we're fine. We don't need more. Why do that? Exactly. Exactly. Why submit this to yourself? Nope. So if you're still considering doing this game, which my goodness, I hope you're not. Let me share with you some stories from people who did attempt to do it themselves. One subscriber to the game wrote that he's never forgotten the hellish screams he heard during mile 11 and that during mile nine, an unimaginable number of shadow beings surrounded his car and began grabbing at it, clawing at it and trying to get inside to get to him. And it was horrifying. Another man named Jarrett said he did the game and saw a little girl in his back seat and she did not leave his car until well after the game because he made the mistake of looking in the rear room <gasps> mirror during the game and seeing her and making eye contact. Oh my God, no, I have chills. Ooh. Another brave soul attempted the 11 mile game and two minutes in, he decided to turn his car around and leave. As he was driving out of this 11 mile road, he totaled his car. Where do you even total it at that point? Like does, does the facade just lift know. and then suddenly you're on the side of the road by like a Exxon Mobil or whatever? I have no idea. I don't know. Creepy. Someone else commented that his cousin attempted the game and he has not heard from his cousin since. Jesus. Then a man wrote about his experience on Reddit. So while I love Reddit, that you know, you never totally know what's true or not, yeah. but it's scary. So we're going to tell you. And he stated that he and his wife were going through a particularly difficult time in their lives. They were fighting constantly, night after night, to no resolve. And during this time... He happened upon a browser on, on his computer that his daughter must have left open on their family computer while she was doing whatever. And it was a web page detailing the 11-mile game. And he found himself curious. He was like, well, one, what is my daughter looking into? And mm -hmm. two, like, what is this interesting she game? Was not, she was just innocently on sleepovergamesforkids.com. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. 
And so he's looking through and he's like, well, this is weird and scary and interesting. Why is my daughter interested in this? But also like I'm kind of my interest is kind of piqued by it as well. But, you know, he didn't really think much more of it. It was just something in the back of his mind after that. But that night he fought with his wife again. And instead of feeling angry, his mind wandered to that 11 mile game. The silly little game his daughter had been looking into. But what if it wasn't so silly? What if he could play the game and wish for something, wish for relief in his relationship or something more, immortality or something, something like winning the lottery? What if? But he didn't want to think what if. He wanted to try it and see it for himself. So he made up his mind he was going to play the game. And so after sorting out the details and coming up with a plan to leave the house, he left late in the evening and drove off in his truck. It was about 9.30 a.m. He made sure his gas tank was full and drove into the wooded area near his home. He said it felt like eternity and he wasn't confident that he'd found the 11-mile road, so he decided to think and will it into existence. He wanted to put himself in the right mindset. He said if he set his intentions, then maybe the road would appear. And that's what he did. He thought about all the problems in his life and all the things that he wanted to fix. And next thing he knows, he gets this feeling, this tingling, this strange idea and thought in his mind that the 11 mile road was close and he keeps driving and he keeps driving and sure enough he saw it the road but as he found the road all these thoughts that he had about wanting to help his family and fix his problems turned into rage and anger at his family in a way that he had never thought of it before and that that was the feeling he took with him into the road so as he began he started experiencing a teeth chattering cold He shivered in his car regardless of how high he turned the heat. And as he continued through the road and the mileage, he saw silhouettes. Voices were calling out to him, mocking him, mocking his life and his failures and his inability to make his wife and children happy. It was driving him crazy. And the sounds were relentless. If anything, they grew louder and more and more threatening. And he had this feeling that the silhouettes surrounding his car were the souls of those who had failed the game and were stuck, bound to spend the rest of eternity within the game that stole their souls. The way that he described the journey was as if these zombie soul-eating beings were chasing after him, which is, like, terrifying to imagine. And also, you know, what this is reminding me a lot of is the actual, like, sort of verbal techniques that the CIA had done when they were experimenting with LSD back in, like, the 60s and 70s. Right. You're so on board with this being part of, like, a conspiracy. Area 51. (laughs) Let's all go. (laughs) You're so on brand for you, Corinne. I know. Well, the moon is hollow, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fact. That's just real life. So at the 11th mile, this man was stopped. His car stalled at the red light. And when it stalled, he heard an inhuman screeching, like rubber was melting off the metal of his car. And it felt like his mind was being taken over. And he said that he felt like the skin from his body was being melted off of the bone. And then his car started up again and he reached the dead end. And he was supposed to make his wish, you know, of some peace for his family and tranquility. But after all that negativity and all the voices that he had heard going through the 11 mile road, he felt hatred and anger towards his family, even more so than he had in the beginning of that journey. And he, in that instant, felt the desire to wish for his family's misfortune. But he, you know, luckily was able to snap out of it. But it makes me wonder, like, how many people get to the end of the road and what they thought they were going to wish for actually ends up being manipulated and changed during their journey. And then this intrusive thought just comes forward and that's your one wish. Yeah. 
And he said that he ended up wishing for peace among his family and then he drove home. But once he got home for weeks, months, many, many months to come, he was traumatized and like struck by these horrific nightmares night after night of the experiences he had had in the 11 mile road. So while his family might have found like a little bit of resolve after all the issues they had been having, he was tortured now by these experiences and this this like memory of what had happened to him so he was forever stuck in the memory of the game man that's so awful it's like you you wish for something but really at the end of this whole game probably the thing that you'd wish for most is that you had never played to begin with that, yeah ah <gasps> that's a good wish yeah there were some people who mentioned wishing for a person or like for someone to fall in love with them and that when they saw that person next time in their life, that person like was in a trance-like state and acting very strained and different, which makes me think possession. And it's like you basically invited these dark entities to go possess that person to make whatever you want, your selfish desire, come true. Right, and you just took the free will away of that person and that person's no yeah. longer that person anymore. Oh, gosh, just don't do it. Just don't do it. No. I will leave on a positive note because someone on reddit made this comment and i thought it was very beautiful so while the 11 mile game 11 mile road game is a true terror and i can't recommend it to anyone to play a user on reddit suggested that perhaps we have no choice in playing the game because life is the 11 mile game life is that road and to get what you want in life you must keep driving stay on the road and continue on despite the challenges and obstacles and fears you face No matter what, you must keep persevering and driving to get what you want. Wow. See, there you go. Don't go looking for this 11-mile road. You're already on it. You're on it. Just that, that's it. This is all a metaphor. No need to actually open up to a different plane, to a different realm, and invite in the evil. Yeah. Dang. That's the 11-mile road game. Well, I'm not freaking playing that. I'm not playing anything, but especially not that. (laughs) No. It makes you want to, like, hunker down at home. Okay, listener stories. So, we don't want to play games, but you guys apparently, (laughs) some of you do. And that's why we have some listener stories for you at the Mm -hmm. end. Uh, This one is from Allie, and it is called TikTok the Midnight Game, which is what we covered the last time we covered games. She says, hey, Ghostesses, I recently listened to your podcast that described the Midnight Man. And while I'm a huge fan of the paranormal, I've never played this game before. However, after learning of this game a few years ago, I had the most vivid dream of it. So enjoy. In my dream, I was 11 again. I was at a birthday party of my next door neighbor, my then best friend. Her father had just come downstairs for the second time, scolding us to go to sleep, but we weren't tired. It's around 1130 and Katie, my friend, suggested that we play a game. She described it as an advanced game of hide and seek. I was hesitant, but the other girls sounded all too excited. She discussed the rules as we raided the kitchen for supplies. 11.55. As we stood in a circle, passing a steak knife around, I stared at the cut on my palm. I felt an uneasiness in the room, and Katie shred a piece of paper from her diary and pressed our bloody hands to the paper. We shared a pen and each wrote our name on the paper that we had just soaked. Two other girls in the group, Ashley and Bianca, thought that it would be funny to trade names. 11.58 p.m. As we walked upstairs to her foyer, each armed with a box of matches, a candle, and table salt in our pajama pockets, I frantically looked at the other girls surrounding me. Smiles on their faces. 
I was the only one unsure about what we were about to do. 11.59 p.m. The five of us dropped our blood-soaked names onto the welcome mat and began knocking on the door slowly. We counted off in unison. Ashley stared at the clock hanging above the fireplace. She screamed an alert to let us know that we only had a few seconds before midnight. We sped up, and as she screamed, Midnight! We knocked for the 22nd time. Maggie opened the door as Liz lit our candle from her matchbox. Maggie slammed the door shut, and in a second, we all ran downstairs, assuming that Katie's father would be en route to scold us once again. We all hid in our sleeping bags as we heard heavy footsteps on the stairs, but then nothing. I peeked my head out of the bag into the room, and it was silent except for the muffled giggling coming from the other sleeping bags. Four of us gathered at the base of the stairs as Katie encouraged us to resume the game. I went to Liz's bag and tried to stir her, only to find that she wasn't there. We checked the bathroom and laundry room, but we couldn't find her. Thinking that she had hid upstairs, we each split up. And as we stepped into the dining room, I felt something crunch beneath me. I looked down and I saw a white, hard substance. I felt the floor and a sense of fear rushed over me. It was the salt. I stepped over the broken circle of the salt, which laid before me and checked in every corner, cabinet and basket, and Liz was nowhere to be found. We all huddled together now and Katie looked anguished. Neither her parents or her brother were upstairs. Ashley began to cry and ran for the phone hanging on the wall. The three of us circled her as she dialed her parents. She screamed and threw the phone back at the wall. There was no dial tone, only someone whispering something. Oh my god, I have chills. 12.30. 12.30 a.m. Trying to rationalize the situation, we thought that we were dreaming or Katie's family was pulling a mean prank. Katie insisted that we play along but search for her family and for Liz. We each lit our candle and walked through the house. I checked the clock, and it was 1237. Katie lived in a tri-level, much like my own, and the bedrooms were on the top floor, the kitchen, dining room, and living room on the second floor, and the den area was laid out on the base floor. We each split up to cover more ground in an attempt to get to the bottom of this. Ashley refused to go alone, so she followed behind Bianca. I took the base floor, and I peeled through each room. As I started to go upstairs to meet up with Katie, I heard the sound. I heard a sound come from the sunroom. A gentle tapping. I called up to the stairs to try to get someone's attention, but to no avail, I tiptoed towards the sliding glass door, shining my candle around the corners of the glass to get a better view. It was too dark, but I thought I saw something move. I moved closer to the window, nose pressed against the cool glass, and squinted tightly. Suddenly, A fog blew in front of my nose as if someone was breathing directly onto the glass on the other side of the door. Oh. I screamed. I tripped backwards as the door slowly slid open. I fumbled up the stairs into the dining room and I ran into Katie. I told her that we had to get out, but she said it wasn't allowed. We had to keep moving. 1 10 a.m. No. My knees were shaking at this point and I couldn't move without holding onto Katie's arm. She seemed so calm, so arrogant and assured that her family was behind all of this. We stepped up to the bedroom, and we met with Bianca and Ashley. Ashley was curled up in a ball on the floor, sobbing over her candle. Bianca emerged from Katie's parents' bathroom and shook her head. The four of us were so confused and at a loss. All of a sudden, Ashley gasped. A single tear had slipped from her cheek and brushed out the light of the candle. I felt a cold draft creep into the bedroom from the hall, and suddenly... Ashley let out a deafening shriek. He's hurting me, she cried. I tried to grab her arm when I saw four lines of blood seep through her t-shirt. Oh? I stumbled back as she continued to squeal in pain, 
writhing on the floor. I grabbed for her hand and felt a shock of electricity. I couldn't touch her. We all ran out of the bedroom and back down into the living room. Bianca, Katie, and I stood face to face wearing perplexed expressions. I felt hopeless. Liz was missing. Ashley was hurt. I tried the phone again and could only hear what sounded like someone talking from 10 feet away on the other line. I'm coming, it whispered. <gasps> oh. 1.58 a.m. The house was silent, apart from the distant cries coming from the bedroom where Ashley had been. Katie insisted we keep moving, but stayed just a little apart. Bianca refused. She began yelling for everyone to stop messing around. She was done playing this game. She forcefully blew out her candle and threw it to the ground. Right on cue, the cold draft wafted over to us again, and I shouted to Bianca to get her candle. She began to yell, Stop trying to trick me! When she let out a yelp, Keep moving! I shouted frantically to her to relight her candle, knowing that she was running out of time, and I ran to her side and hysterically began throwing salt around the two of us. I held her at my side and I told her that it would be okay. She looked up from the cut on her arm and her eyes froze onto something behind my left shoulder. I turned slowly and I saw the outline of a face skip from the light of my candle. He's circling no. us, Bianca cried manically. Who? I shouted. He's right behind me. He's telling me terrible things. He says he can see my sister. It's not real, I proclaimed. None of this is real. As I said that, we both heard a gradual laugh roar from across the room. Mm. The sound grew closer and suddenly I was chaotically pushed from the circle. I turned back to see Bianca huddled against the salt, weeping into her knees. I tried to encourage her to stay strong, that it was almost over. She was safe. I heard footsteps from the floor above us, and I tried to find Katie. The third floor hallway was a dark hole. As I walked past the guest bathroom towards Katie's room, the blackness grew. I could see only my feet in front of me from the glow of the candle. I slid open Katie's parents' door and I called out to Ashley. She was gone. There on the floor where she had been was a dark pool of some thick substance. I called out, louder this time, for Ashley. No answer. A thud came from the hallway and the door slammed. I jumped into the dark hall and I saw Katie's bathroom door was now shut. I jumped into the dark hall and I saw that Katie's bedroom door was now shut. I quickly hopped into the room, slamming the door behind me again. A small light emanated from the other side of her bed and for the first time that night, I felt relief. I crawled over her bed, joyful to have company, but Katie wasn't there. The candle, which had been sitting upright, tipped over and extinguished itself. A hand reached out from under the bed and grabbed for the candle. I shrieked and suddenly Katie emerged from under the bed, candle in hand. Where is everyone else? I stared at her in disbelief. Where have you been? I shouted. I hid in the hall closet downstairs. I thought he got you and Bianca. I thought I could hide there until the game was over. But then I heard someone scratching on the closet door. I thought maybe it was you two, so I opened the door. My candle blew out and something grabbed my arm. She continued to tell me about how she tried to draw a line of salt, but something kept kicking the salt as it fell, keeping her from forming a closed circle. She ran up the stairs, lit the candle, and tried to hide under the bed and to wait it out. I told her that we had to get Bianca and leave. 2.48 a.m. I stumbled for her bedroom door, and as I stepped into the hallway, her bedroom door slammed behind me, propelling me forward. I spun back and tried to twist the handle, but was shocked again. I banged on the door for Katie, shouting, Let me in! And I could hear her shuffling around on the other side of the door, but she couldn't open it either. I squatted down to try to look inside, and a pair of eyes met my gaze. Katie's. (gasps) A dark shadow grew on the wall behind her. Keep your candle lit! I shouted in a frenzy. I could see the 
hint of a flame through the crack beneath her door. Her eyes shut tight as she cried, I'm so sorry. This is all my fault. As if a breeze blew over her, the candle went out. I could hear her rummaging through her pocket to find her matchbook. I shoved mine beneath the door. You have 10 seconds. I began counting. One match strike. No flame. Katie was crying in a panic. Another match strike. Six seconds. I shouted. No flame. Four seconds. Katie, hurry. Another match strike. I'm trying, she wailed. It's not working. She struck the fourth match, and as she placed the flame to the wick, the door flung open. She was smiling, impressed with herself, but I was petrified, for behind her stood a large blackened figure. It outstretched its hand and pressed its unnaturally long fingers, each like a tendril of a parasitic plant, onto the match's flame. My mouth opened in the start of a scream, and the unknown figure smiled. Katie's light went out. And she was sucked backwards into an invisible force. Oh. The door slammed shut. The most awful sound began to emerge from her bedroom. Snapping. Crunching. Each followed by a girlish howl. I threaded down the stairs knowing that she was gone. I was alone. 3.19 a.m. I staggered into the kitchen, the room beginning to spin around me. My grasp so tightly wrapped around the dying candle that sweat dripped to the floor. I wobbled to the counter, grabbing the edge for stability. I looked up at the microwave clock. 3.20. 10 more minutes. In that moment, I hatched a plan. A plan for revenge. For Liz. For Ashley. For Bianca. For Katie. For anyone who ever made the mistake of summoning this horror. This midnight man. I ran down to the den, trying to avoid another dark pool that lay within the broken circle of salt. Where were Bianca's matches? I flipped over the sleeping bag and found her candle. Without another matchbook, I only had two matches left. I lit Bianca's abandoned candle, and I set it between two books on the table. With the glow of two candles, I continued to search for another matchbook. It had to be here somewhere. Loud thumps began to hail down from the floor above me. I flung the Sailor Moon blankets and pillows and small gap jackets around me. The den stairs began to creak under some unseen pressure. I looked up, my eyes scanning the stairs, the walls, every corner, expecting to see this tall wisp of a man. The clock VCR blinked. 3.30 a.m. I was running out of time for my plan. The room filled with laughter, and I backed myself into a corner beyond our sleeping bags. Where there was once a scene of joyful games shared among five friends lay a nightmare. The laughter grew closer as the sliding glass door to my side slammed open and closed. The windows in the den fogged over with a greasy haze. With my free hand, I wrapped myself in a curtain, trying to think of the time. I could only have a minute left. I held the candle tightly to my chest as the curtains were ripped from around me. 3.32 a.m. About 10 feet in front of me, I could see a spectral image pacing before me. His wiry hair brushed his bony shoulders. He outstretched his warped arm towards me, and I tightened my grip on my candle. In a pluck, he ripped it from me as he floated closer. Nose to nose, I looked into his eyes, his sunken eyes. I could see the endless amounts of children that he had stolen in those icy pools of misery. His smile grew, rotten teeth protruding from his mouth, and so did mine. The sound of the match head rubbing against the striking surface was deafening in that moment. The figure's smile disappeared as he looked down. He grabbed me by the neck, pushing me into a glass door with rage. As his grip tensed, I could feel the shards of the glass break my skin. He squeezed out a grimace and pushed harder, his broken nails digging into my neck. But I was okay. 
I reached out to grab the curtain beside me, and in one motion, I lit the match to it. The fabric burst into this brilliant flame. The figure blundered back, looking up the walls that were now ablaze. A tiny ember floated towards it, landing on his ragged jacket and ignited him. I stepped forward slowly and I watched as the creature swatted its chest and shoulders. It tripped into our girlish bedding, which proved the most excellent kindling. Like a wanted child at a bonfire, I watched as it became engulfed, as I heard the pop of its skin bumbling under the fire. Oh my I looked gosh. to the VCR. 3.34 a.m. Game over. Stay spooky, my friends. Allie. Okay, I don't like that at all. So creepy. And like, honestly, props to Allie, because this was written so well. And we had already responded to her email before. And we're like, you have to submit this to Creepypasta or like no sleep or something, because <laughs> this was so good. But if this truly was a dream that she had, it makes me wonder, like, good Lord, was it was it just a vivid, vivid dream? Or was there some instance where in another in another plane, in another variation of her life, did she play this? And she just for a minute, there was a wrinkle in time. And she now has this memory of what happened to her and her friends who had played in another version of of her current life. I really hope it's just like she learned of the midnight game and the midnight man and her mind went on this Mm. wild, you know, imaginative streak in her dreams and made this such a dark nightmare because it's horrific so freaking creepy and what's so scary is that people just disappear you know like in the game you might be playing with four other people but as people go down or as you split up there's changes and you don't get to see them anymore it's like as if people are disappearing into trapdoors. like where did the family go why are things not working anymore? I don't like And it. granted, this is a dream, but like, it's still very similar to the actual game. Like we've read, I don't even, I honestly can't remember what we've talked about on the podcast and what I've just like watched on YouTube or like read online or, or somehow accessed. Right. But I remember specifically this like one story where this girl was playing and her mom was in the room over and like her mom could hear her and all of this stuff. But to her playing the game, her mom was not there wasn't present like completely disappeared and there was no access to the living anymore in that moment to those not in the game or taken out of it i hate it i hate it i just don't like it this is why we don't play the games don't even don't just don't it's just it's just better than not you know it's fun to listen to it here and and maybe that's how you get your fix that's how we get our fix right exactly Yes, you have a choice. And with the option of not playing uh, being readily available, that's the one you should choose. <laughs> wow. Story. I was so cold in the beginning of this and now I'm like freaking sweating. But also, Allison, like after that nightmare, were you not freaked the F out? How, how did you, how? I want to know when this nightmare was too, because the dream was, she said 11? she was 11 right. again in her dream. So it makes me wonder how old she was when she had the dream. Was it just like, she had regressed to her being 11. I don't know. And also, was it even her, you know? Because, like, I feel like sometimes I, like, think I'm me, but then in my dreams when I kind of pan out, I'm, like, actually someone else. I look entirely different. But, like, I'm that person. I'm that right, player right. That in that just, dream. Well, makes you, which makes me wonder if that's a past life. Past, past life. <gasps> yeah. I know. I always wonder that, too, when it's, a, like, a little too realistic mm-hmm. and you're very conscious of the dream. You're, like, in the body. Well, that's pretty gnarly. Very creepy. I wonder if you're like, have any of those people been from 
you know, the olden days when hygiene wasn't a thing. Because I always wonder where you're obviously bad hygiene is not fun, but I always wonder where that comes from for you. Yeah. No, I don't know where it came from, but good Lord, I'm so grateful that we live in the time that we do. Okay. I have a story about Bloody Mary. Mm. Oh, Bloody Mary. And this is from Irene. What was that noise? Was, Did you hear that? Was that from my mouth? I think that was from your mouth. <sighs> that sounded like a demon. <laughs> it, it did a little bit. It was very guttural. I was like, what is that snarl? It came from the back of my throat. I felt it. Something's coming out of me. I felt it all the way across the country. Uh, scaring myself. Okay. Hey, girls. It's been a while. Thought I'd talk about a story I've been saving. Like to keep my good ones for later. Smiley face. It's funny because I was there, but I did not experience anything for the first time. So one day we were home, me and my brother and my half-sister and half-brother. We were home alone and our half-siblings were watching over us because they were older. So it's kind of late and our eldest half-brother, I have so many siblings, 23, not including myself, thanks to dear old dad. So my (laughs) eldest half-brother was not home yet. Wait, 23? Yeah. Holy moly. So my eldest half-brother was not home yet. So B and C, masking names here, asked me and Jay if we wanted to play a game. Loving games, we both agreed. They suggested we turn off the lights, look in the mirror, and play Bloody Mary. I noped the hell out of that, but Jay wanted to prove he was brave. So in the bathroom, they turn off the lights, and I can hear the chanting of Bloody Mary going on. And then silence. And then they all start laughing at how dumb it was, and they come out of the bathroom. And now our old, our eldest half-brother walks in. We'll call him N. So N walks in, and after a bit of talking and some food, I tell him what happened. Why? Because N is super religious and I, as a kid, wanted to start trouble and also was very scared of demons and wanted to protect us. (laughs) So N gets super mad. He says we need to read the Bible and pray that nothing bad comes from this. So we all go upstairs and he brings out the Bible to read and pray. C is laying on the bed. B is sitting to my left and J is sitting to my right. And then N is sitting on the chair before us reading. And after about five minutes, I notice C is looking kind of funny. She's in like an half sleep trance. And after a few more minutes, N is talking about the word Bible and what it stands for, you know, the instructions before leaving Earth, if you're curious. And C wakes up and is immediately screaming at the top of her lungs, full panic and fear in her eyes. She darts for the bathroom before anyone can grab her. And she was laying in a position and ran faster than I had ever seen anyone run. She slams the door and locks it and starts screaming as if she's being attacked screaming even louder and higher as if it's some mixed sobs and screams as well. It's the kind of scream that sounded like someone was being tortured. N and B run up to the door and start slamming into it, but it will not budge. Jay and I are in a panic and standing way away from the door near the stairs for a fast getaway in case things go wrong. Finally, they were going to run out the door with a huge push, but it slammed open on its own. And they find C sitting in the bathtub with her hands bleeding. When they get into the bathroom, it was clear that C had smashed the mirror with her own hands. When N starts to ask what happened, she doesn't want to look up, but sobs for a while. When she finally calmed down, she told us that when she woke up, she saw all of us looking like demons. She ran into the bathroom and saw her own reflection and said she could see what looked like a decayed, demonic version of herself. She then tried the door, but it was locked, so she started breaking the mirror And she began to bleed and become paranoid that something locked itself in the bathroom with her. So she jumped into the bathtub so she could have her back against the wall. After that day, C never played any more demonic games. They're all fun and games until suddenly they are not. 
I can joke about it now because I have had just too many experiences to hang on to each and every one. And also, I wasn't the one seeing demon faces in this instance. Also, I hope you don't start having any experiences. There are like three girls who used to love to hear my stories at work, but now they tell me not to tell them because they started to experience stuff too. Sigh. Creepy. I hope I don't get banned from telling you my stories, lol. <laughs> Remember to sage, 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 Irene. We would never, never ban never. you. So creepy. It's What's really fascinating, too, is that, like, just her friend was the one that was picked on. Like, one person was had this, like, manipulated vision from playing the game. Well, it sounds like C was probably younger, too, and maybe going along with it and probably was the most scared in that situation. Yeah. Was the easiest easy, to cry upon. Easy pick, yeah. I don't know, but oh it's gosh. terrifying. It's really terrifying. Imagine like waking up and seeing all your loved ones and family members around you, except for their faces are demonic. Yeah, it's like the people that you would go to and run to for comfort are now what is scaring you, which is yeah, horrifying. Really horrifying. It makes me really, really sad to think about that because it's like that's so isolating and it makes you feel so alone. Yeah. I'm glad that she ended up being okay and was able to like confide in her family afterwards. Right. And that it was a it was a quicker incident, you know, like it wasn't it wasn't a full day. It wasn't forever. Like It it ended and people, her feelings towards those people who she saw as demonic didn't. Well, to my knowledge, it didn't. Maybe it triggered something the first time she saw them, but it was probably a lot of relief. I'm sure she doesn't have the fear anymore of yeah, seeing the demon true. when she looks at her like friends and family. Ooh. I think it was isolated probably to that one instance of playing that game. Right. I just wonder if she looks in the mirror nowadays and like just like even even has like a flash of it or the memory comes back mm-hmm. and how terrifying mm-hmm. that must be. No, 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 no. Oh my God. This is why oh. you don't play games. Just don't do no. it. Don't play paranormal games. Stick to mousetrap. And like, don't look at the mirror. Yes. Like Hungry Hungry Hippo, such Ugh, a good game. Good game. Great game. Ages seven and up, small pieces. <laughs> don't let people put the little beads in their mouth. Puzzles. Card games. Ooh, good. Can we... Guys, there's options. If you're looking for games, we've got recommendations. We have so many options. We can make up games. Like, great at making up games. Same. Nick loves making up games. Make your own trivia. But again, if you have done those games, please email us your experience and send us any ghost story, any paranormal, any alien, any creature, anything story to us at twogirls1ghostpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. We also have social media, so you can follow us on Twitter. Instagram is a little bit more popping, and then really popping our Facebook group. We have a great group of phantoms that are our moderators, and then a mm-hmm. large group of phantoms that are active on Facebook groups. So if you're looking for a little bit more social interaction, that's a good place to go right now. Yeah, and we have merch, and we have Patreon. You can rate and review us on iTunes, many different ways to support us. Uh, We want to give quick shout outs to some of the most wonderful people we know. First of all, to Eric Foster and Max Lodian. Thank you so much to you both at Fire Digital for editing our podcast. We are very, very grateful. And we will see you on the other side. Very smooth.